Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual here, it is Drew with Josh and Connor talking about all things Major League Soccer, U.S. Soccer, and young North Americans abroad as... Young North Americans continue to tear it up in various European leagues. We cover that. We cover the MLS offseason craziness and so much more in this week's episode. So thanks so much for tuning in. And we are very excited to talk to you guys about all things soccer here in North America and abroad. But before we get into our usual soccer talkings for the episode, I wanted to check in on you guys because... Word on the street is that school's school's a tough one right now. Um, so, Connor, we, we both know that struggle. So, Connor, how's your week been with school and everything so far? Well, I'm on reading week right now, uh, but that has meant I've done even more work than I would normally do in a regular week. Uh, I have, didn't do any of my asynchronous lectures for one class until this past week, and I'm currently two half the, half of the way through uh, with a midterm on Wednesday. So... Trying to grind that out, do the two chapters of reading per lecture, and then watch the two-hour lectures uh, before that midterm, and slowly cramming. I got an assignment due at 11.59 tonight, which is Thursday, which I still haven't finished yet, and don't know if it's good or not, Uh, because the professor is very vague. But yeah, just grinding. Uh, It's been a busy, busy week. Not much soccer really being paid attention to in my life. Uh, I watched a bit of the Lille game today, uh, and I saw the Davies stuff too, so we'll get into that in a second. Um, but I'm going to follow in the same formula as last week. Screw you, Josh. Drew, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Yeah, I feel you on the whole... We weren't on a reading week, but Georgia took away our spring break this semester, and to replace it, they gave us like four or five just random days throughout the semester where we were off and Wednesday was the first of those days where we didn't have class terrible it's horrendous but yeah like you said that Wednesday was probably my busiest day of the semester um I had wrote some stories for school so that's fun uh baseball season starts tomorrow here in Athens. I'm very excited about that. So baseball, pitchers and catchers reported for Major League Baseball. So it seems like we are almost there. Baseball is approaching and I'm very excited about that. Um, But besides that, yeah, not a whole lot going on. School's the worst. Um, As I feel, we're like a month in. I feel like a little over a month in, but we're getting there. We'll knock it out. Um, But Josh, how was your week? You were out of school, but I imagine 
you still had some things on your plate to do these last seven days? Uh, not a whole lot really going, going on for me. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I did like you guys. I mean, I had the, the week off essentially. I honestly was, I had less to do than I thought. One of the, I found that in my downtime a lot, I spend a decent chunk of it outside, whether it's kicking around playing soccer or the basketball court in the neighborhood is right across the street from my house. So I'll go over and shoot hoops a lot. Or I might run a bit or, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just get outside and exercise as much as I can. But, Drew, as you probably know, it's been raining a ton down here. The The biggest story, obviously, of the week is the snow and the ice storms in Texas and the Midwest. And I think it snowed in, like, 48 of the 50 U.S. states. And, like, Georgia and Florida are, like, the only states that didn't get any snow. Or maybe Georgia did get a little bit, but it was north of, of me, so... We got rain instead, so it's been miserable, it's been rainy, it's been cold all week, so I didn't really get outside a lot. So I found myself to be a little more bored than usual between not working and and not getting outside. Connor's giving me a giving me a look. But I do have to teach tomorrow, so I'll be doing tons of that. Um, I did go to a wedding over the weekend, and to blow Connor's mind even more than I already am, it was in another state. <laughs> this... Oh, this so, is so no, 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 no. If you're listening to this podcast, don't do that. Don't follow Josh. Don't do what he did. Uh, he's stupid and shouldn't have done it. Uh, no matter what, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, might I remind you? Uh, and I don't care what social distancing measures were in place. None of you are actually, I assume none of you are vaccinated and it's not safe. So don't go out, wear a mask. Yeah, so just piggyback off of what Connor said, I would not recommend going out to weddings. I did so because it's a close friend of mine, and yeah, I was able to socially distance, and I wore a mask the whole time. So to be fair, I, I felt pretty safe. But again, I, I won't recommend it. I won't tell anybody else to go out and gather in somewhat large groups. But another highlight of my week this week was a gift that came to me in the mail. I got my Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. And support for this MLS Multiplex podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. And... Luckily for you, listeners, we have an exclusive offer, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Like I said, I got my lawnmower 3.0 this week, and it is awesome. If you're like me and you have a poorly lit bathroom, then the lawnmower 3.0 is perfect. It's got a light on it. Very, very, very helpful, and it's much better than alternatives, just saying from personal experience. So, Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And again, the code is FANSIDED20. So unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Moving on into some soccer. Lots of North Americans abroad in the last week. Going to start off with Daryl DK, who got his first start for Barnsley in the championship on Sunday. He... Kind of got an assist. 
I don't know if you guys saw the clip, but he tried to shoot on goal and he missed really bad and it went like across the face of goal <laughs> and it took a small deflection, actually landed at the feet of a teammate who then scored. So he was very active in making the goal happening, but he didn't really like officially do anything for it. So good for Daryl DK to get some minutes. Uh, hopefully, you know, he continues to make some starts for Barnsley and, and get some time on the field. But some other North Americans that did well, I know Connor is going to love talking about this, but Alfonso Davies scored this week for Bayern Munich. They played on, I think it was Monday. It was a draw against Armenia Bielefeld, which definitely not one of the better Bundesliga teams. But I did see the goal. Connor, I'm sure you saw it. But Drew, did you see Alfonso Davies' goal this week? Yes, I'm very excited to hear Connor's reaction because it was a rocket. And as soon as he scored, I said, oh, boy, I can't wait to hear Connor talk about this on the podcast. So it was a rocket. Solid, solid strike from Fonzie. Yeah, I guess I'll go now. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Might as well. Outcome wasn't the best for Bard. Uh, I feel like that's putting it lightly. But Davies, good to see him score again. I think it's been it had been a while. he doesn't score many, and he scored a real pretty one on that, uh, even though it was sort of off a scuffed play and weird ball in the air, but clean half volley right on the inside post. I loved it, uh, obviously, but yeah, better outcome would have been nice. I won't complain when Davies scores, though, because that's always entertaining, and he's the best player in CONCACAF, so seeing the best player in CONCACAF succeed is always a good thing. Don't come in my mentions talking about Kaylor Navas. I was about to say, I I thought different. he had a great game against Barcelona earlier this week. I, I thought the best player in CONCACAF looked fantastic in the Champions League for PSG because it's Kaylor Navas. It's not Alfonso Davies. But Fonzie did have a beautiful goal. You cannot argue with that. I saw that, and it was fantastic. That's a goal that like people dream of scoring. Like It just looked so satisfying to watch. I'm sure he enjoyed scoring it. And even though Byron drew, like, who cares? They could lose on purpose, and no one would take the title from them. Like, I don't know what is up in Germany with all these other teams that could challenge but just don't. So that's kind of frustrating from an outside perspective. That's another topic. Moving on with some other North Americans, though. Speaking of Champions League, there were two days of Champions League this week. Uh, Weston McKinney started on Wednesday for Juventus. Unfortunately, he only went about 60 minutes in that game, I believe, uh, he was the only American to play on Wednesday. Did either of you catch any of Juventus? I know I personally didn't watch any of the game. They ended up losing to Porto, which is hilarious. Uh, Tuesday was a little more interesting, though. Serginho Dest started for Barcelona against PSG. Tyler Adams started for Red Bull Leipzig against Liverpool. Uh, they lost 2 nothing, and Barcelona got smashed 4-1 thanks to the future which is also known as Keelan Mbappe, which also, he also happened to be on that same side of the field as Serginho Dest. Drew, did you get to catch any of these Champions League games? Did you see anything for Dest or Adams or McKenney? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I didn't get to catch a whole lot of either game or any of those three games personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that you mentioned Barca kind of getting cooked. Um, by PSG and Kylian Mbappe and Sergio Des having to defend one of, if not 
I think one, he's going to be one of the best players in the world. Honestly, I think you can make an argument that he's on track to become one of the best ever, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, kind of got cooked by him a little bit, but yeah, Mbappe's good. He won a World Cup for a reason. That France team is loaded. PSG's kind of loaded. Um, so yeah, not a whole lot disappointed from that. Just excited to see how these guys respond because it kind of feels like when we talk about these players um, – a lot of good things are happening, a lot of good performances, even if it is in losses or draws. Um, but this week of Champions League action wasn't that good. Um, granted, they were playing pretty big teams, so it's a little different conversation than we've had in the past about these guys kind of not having good performances and losing to really good sides. But excited to see how these guys bounce back. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're on big clubs with winning aspirations, and I think that is all you can really ask for, especially in big clubs like Europe. So excited to see how these guys bounce back. Um because if they can do it at the level that they're at now, then they can do it without question um, when they're playing for the United States. Connor, did you get to see any other games besides the Davies, Rocket, and Champions League this week? Uh, a little bit of the wheel one earlier. Saw Timothy Way's goal off the absolutely unbelievably terrible play by Nicholas Tagliafico. Um, although I will say, respect for rocking the goggles. Uh, big fan of that in the match uh, as a fellow glasses wearer, but... Ooh, I miss that. Yeah, uh, it was not good, uh, shall we say, and he was blatantly responsible for that goal. Um, not enough power at all to get it back to the keeper to clear it, and Timothy Weah just pounced on the loose ball and tapped it between... Uh, I don't even know who their goalie is at this point because Onana got busted for pets, uh, but between their keeper's legs... Uh, so good game for Tim Weah. David was pretty okay. He got taken off in the 70th minute, but yeah, I don't know. I think this has been a good week for North Americans abroad, honestly, especially in the champions league. Uh, I mean, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're looking from a pure perspective, uh, playing perspective, like on the field performance, not great. Like Drew said, you know, it's Kylian Mbappe. He, he is really really good there was only so much Serginho Dest could do to be fair to Dest uh because if you didn't catch the game Serginho Dest was playing right back Kylian Mbappe on the left wing so they matched up frequently to be fair to Dest he wasn't never he wasn't really responsible directly for any of the three goals that Mbappe scored one of the goals he definitely was kind of caught standing there but there were other factors and other poor players on the defensive side of things for Barca that led to that goal. So Dest was never really truly responsible on his own. That being said, he never really looked great against Mbappe. And again, that's going to happen. It's just growing pains. Uh, Tyler Adams didn't do anything spectacular either. And even Weston McKinney, uh, I was reading some tactical breakdowns of the Porto Juventus game. Porto actually planned on stopping McKinney. That's how important he has become to the Juventus side. And they did a good job of shutting him down. So sort of unfortunate from that standpoint. Now, Timothy Weah, good for him for scoring uh, in in Europa League today. Another American who I don't know if either of you have heard of him, Jordan Sabachu. He scored a brace for Young Boys, which is a club in Switzerland. They're actually leading the table right now. Uh, They upset Bayer Leverkusen in this first leg today with a 4-3 win. That game was wild. I was able to catch some of it. Leverkusen went down early, 3-0, came back to make it 3-3 before Sabachu got his second goal. I see his name frequently. Uh, I mentioned Brian Sherrietta on the podcast a couple weeks ago, a guy who keeps tabs on like 
every American player there is to think of. So I've seen Sabachu's name before, so he's not a complete unknown to him, to an uh, unknown name to me. So good for him for scoring his brace. Um, and then on the coaching side of things this week, a little bit of news. American Italian manager uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo signed an extension at Bundesliga Club Stuttgart through 2024. And we've talked about him on the podcast before. He helped Stuttgart earn promotion this year into the Bundesliga. They're currently 10th out of 18th, eight points above the relegation playoff. So he's done a pretty good job with them being in the top flight this year. Uh, not a not a flashy manager compared to others like Jesse Marsh, currently at Salzburg, who was announced, reported, I should say, as being in the running for the Borussia Mönchengladbach manager role, uh, which is being vacated thanks to Marco Rose going to Dortmund. Drew... Wanted to get your thoughts on these American managers being in the news again. We talk so much about players, but how important is it to see managers like Matarazzo and Marsh in the news for their their managing? Yeah, it's really interesting because, like you mentioned, we all want to see young North American players succeed, which is right, and we talk about it a lot, and it deserves discussion. And I think that kind of forces and leads managers to get in the background a little bit um, I think Jesse Marsh kind of is leading this charge, I guess you could say, of American managers getting attention that they earn and excited about that. I'm excited to see him in the running for manager jobs. Personally, I really don't want to see him leave um, to go to Muchenklatschbox. That's probably totally <laughs> botched that pronunciation. But yeah, um, personally, I don't want to see him leave. I just really like what he's got going on in Salzburg. Um, good team, competitive team. But it's exciting to see that he's in the running for things. Um Moderat, so it's good to see a Bundesliga side that here in promotion that they're confident to stick with him. Um, so yeah, not a whole lot, just a lot of really good things. Again, I don't want to see Marshall leave, but it's cool just to see an American coach reportedly up for a Bundesliga side. I haven't seen that report myself, but that's just cool to see that. Um, so yeah, really exciting to see managers because we usually only see one side of it with the players, but excited to see where these guys end up at. Hopefully managers like Marsh leading this charge will open the door for more American managers to get attention, whether it be in MLS or abroad, because like we talk about, um, it seems that I forgot the exact stat you mentioned, Josh, but like the last out of the last recent MLS cup champions, a lot of those managers have been American with the exception of Tata Martino. So it's, that's just something we overlook. I think we focus on the players while American managers are winning in MLS and they're getting these uh, jobs and attention abroad. So I'm a big fan of it. I'm excited to see where they end up. And speaking of Jesse Marsh, it should be, I, we didn't put this in the notes, but we should have. Brandon Aronson made his Champions League debut today. Uh, played 60 minutes for RB Salzburg or yeah, Salzburg. Uh, did either of you catch that game? I was watching the Golasso show, so it was flipping around a bunch, so I didn't really see any specifics for Aronson. Also worth mentioning, Chris Richards also started for Hoffenheim. I forgot yeah. about him as well. So that was, what, four Americans today? And they're all 20, I think, or younger? That's It still blows my mind. That's crazy. So there were a few Americans taking place today, so that was cool. And speaking of Americans, um, I think the part of the show that Connor was not looking forward to uh, the U.S. Women's National Team were in action again tonight, The fir- their first game of the She Believes Cup. The first game of the tournament was earlier today. I think Brazil beat Argentina 4-2-1. That might be a total lie, so someone please check me on that one. But the U.S. played Canada. Um, good to see that rivalry back. Uh, U.S. did win 1-0. Rose Lavelle came off the bench and scored the lone goal in the 79th minute. 
Um, I don't know exactly if you guys got to see all of it or not. I know Connor are busy with school, but um, I did get to watch it. It was a lot of fun getting to see the women's national team play a team that, with no disrespect to Columbia, um, was on the U.S.'s level. Um, I think you consider Canada to be competitive, and these games are always fun, even though it seems like they've been turning in the United States' favor as of late. Um, so I was excited to see that. Um, got to see some old guns, some new guns. Katarina Macario started, and I think went a full 90. Um, I know there's a lot of hype around her decision to play with the United States as she plays her club in Lyon with France. Um, yeah, I was excited to see the United States. They're kind of getting ready for the Olympics this summer again. Who the heck knows if there's going to be an Olympics and where it's going to be. Um, but excited to see the United States play a competitive team like Canada and have to fight through some adversity. I thought Canada, despite not having like anybody on their roster, I know Christine Sinclair wasn't available for selection. Jordan Heitema wasn't um, available for selection. And there's more that I'm totally botching on. But despite missing out on a ton of players, they hung in there really well. Just if Alyssa Nair wasn't a brick wall back there in goal. Um, I think Canada really had a shout to get a couple goals. And on to Canada's credit, um, their starting goalkeeper, uh, the starter for Sky Blue FC. Um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on her name. I'll think about it in a second here. Um, but she went down the eighth minute, really good young keeper for Canada. And Stephanie LeBay came in and replaced her. I thought she played well. Um, she used to play for the North Carolina Courage. And as I'm talking, I'm trying to pull up that goalkeeper's name. Kaylin Sheridan? Kaylin Sheridan, Kaylin Sheridan, yes. She went down early on in Canada. Bounced back and kept going for a little bit, and then Rose Lavelle coming off the bench got her goal. Did either of you guys watch that game or have any takes on the game at all? Unfortunately, I was not able to watch the game. I mean, obviously, I know that Rose Lavelle scored and and glad that the U.S. won. I didn't get to see any of the Brazil-Argentina game earlier either. However, I was blessed with some awesome Dabinia gifts on Twitter from her performance against Argentina. She is on another level. It's just so much fun watching her just like disrespect all of the Argentine players on the field. So I did get to see some of that. That was a lot of fun. Very enjoyable. My hot Dabinia take, maybe it's not hot, maybe it's not, but I think she is the most underrated player in the world. She does play for North Carolina Courage. Ooh. So she's she's not far away from us, Josh. Maybe one day when the pandemic isn't a thing and people can go to games we can make the trip to North Carolina to watch Dabinia destroy some souls in the NWSL. Saying that she's the most underrated in the world might be a hot take, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. I think Crystal Dunn, I honestly think, has a big, big shout. She's gotten more attention as of late, but I think Crystal Dunn's severely underrated. But Dabinia, yes, that was cool. She tore up RG. And the U.S. United States plays Brazil Sunday, I think. Something yeah, like that. Sunday. They're the two team. Sunday, so that's exciting. What to see? Maybe we'll get to see. Hopefully, we won't see Dabinia tear any American souls apart because I don't want to see that. But I am excited to see Dabinia play again. So that's really cool. This might be a hot take. Uh, jumping off your hot take, but calling any American national team player underrated on women's soccer sphere is not true and blatantly false because all anybody talks about is the u.s women's national well, hold on a second that's i think that's kind of the point here right like crystal dunn is a somewhat familiar name but if i was gonna go talk to a random person on the street in america then they would definitely say you know morgan rapino alex morgan 
Uh, they'd probably go as far as saying Mia Hamm or Abby Wambach. Like, they wouldn't immediately jump to Crystal Dunn. So I, I, I think there's an argument to be had. Not right now, but I, I, I like Drew Shout for Crystal Dunn, even though I am totally biased because he's probably my favorite player, but that's okay. American-centric bias. The Never. fun things no. of that. I, that's what you just said is impossible. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> I didn't know that. I wasn't aware. Uh, that's news to me. I'll be completely honest. It's not like you've overrated every player that's ever played for you in the history of ever. Uh, and only ever talked about yourselves. But do you, can you tell I have an issue with some Americans only talking about themselves? Uh so, yeah. Let's keep talking about women's soccer, though, and talk some NWSL. And more Americans. <laughs> and, yes, more Americans, because, of course, it's Americans. And you couldn't get it more American than these people, uh, specifically one of them. And who I'm talking about, Washington Spirit, uh, have some new ownership in Chelsea Clinton, who is the former daughter of President Clinton. She, she um, is the daughter of former President Clinton. She's still the daughter of <laughs> yeah. former yeah, president. she's not the former daughter. She is still Bill Clinton's <laughs> daughter. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah, I will dig my, yeah, I'll <laughs> dig my own grave there. Uh, someone who I've never heard of in Jenna Bush Hager uh, and Esty Portnoy. So I'll, I'll go ahead and, and talk about those people for a second. Jenna Bush Hager is the daughter of former President George W. Bush. So that's the significance of that. She's also a host on the Today Show or a segment of the Today Show, which I just found out from reading about her joining Washington Spirit. And then Estee Portnoy, I put her name in there because she is Michael Jordan's like manager PR person. So like the fact that like, for example, we all got to see the last dance, the fact that that happened, she's a big part of why that documentary even got made. So I know her name from that as well. There's a lot of other um, people that joined the investor group. They're calling it as well, but those are the biggest names. So definitely, definitely worth mentioning. Speaking of NWSL ownership, we talked about Naomi Osaka last week. She is now a part owner investor in the North Carolina courage. She went up against fellow NWSL owner, Serena Williams might've heard of her, and that was in the Australian Open semifinal. Uh, Sorry, Ser- who's she? I've never heard of her. <laughs> Serena, who is the best athlete in the world currently, probably. Well, she did lose, so oh, God. spoiler your, alert. Maybe, maybe Your not. poor mentions are about to get absolutely <laughs> torn apart. Serena is one Even of the... Even though I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Serena is one of the many owners of Angel City FC, which debuts next year, right? They start playing in 2022, I believe, since this is racing Louisville's first year and then Angel City comes in. So really cool to see them going at it. Did either of you catch that tennis match by chance? Was it like at 3 a.m.? Uh, 10 p.m., not quite that bad. Oh, man. Wow. I, in my head, I was like, I got to wake up at 2.30 to watch this tennis match. Yeah, I totally could have watched that. I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> I thought it was going to be much later, too. Uh, it lined up well because the Hawks game had just ended right before that. And I was like, all right. I mean, I don't normally – like, I'm not really a tennis per- uh, tennis person. I've watched, like, Wimbledon and stuff before, and I have enjoyed it. But I- I've never really gone out of my way to watch. So it was cool to watch these two go at it. And Naomi Osaka is just incredible. She, she like, makes it seem like she's there on accident. I don't know if you guys saw her like post match interview. She's like laughing and like so they asked her straight up. They're like, "What? How did you like? What was your game plan to beat Serena?" And she's like, "I don't know." 
she's like, I just kind of like when the ball's coming, I just choose how I'm going to approach it. So she's like super nonchalant. I respect the heck out of that. Like she's just chilling, dominating the best tennis player of all time. One of the best tennis players of all time. No big deal. But moving on to go ahead. I was just going to say who is granted 34 years old. Um, And we should mention, because I don't know if he just said where she was from. But she's Japanese-American. Yes, so yes. So not only purely American, uh, even though the U.S. would like you to believe that. Well, she's she's got the, the Japan flag by her name. So it's not like, you know, she's not like immediately associated with America. To be fair, in, in, in our defense, because we need a lot of defending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so much fun. I love this. And some other transfer news this past week. Some other Americans. Yeah, we're still talking about him. Uh, American midfielder, just 19 years old. Not super well known because he plays down in Argentina. But Argentina juniors midfielder Matko Milievich is currently linked heavily with River Plate. Apparently Marcelo Gallardo has already signed off on the move. And now it's just a matter of Milievich agreeing to terms with River Plate. So I threw this in here because I think it's a big deal that we could see an American playing at River Plate and an American teenager at that. We already sort of know Johnny Cardoso, who I believe is playing in Brazil. He appeared with the U.S. men's national team in the fall. Miljevic is another American teenager down in South America. So just something to keep an eye on. I also threw in the Kaku nonsense again. I just wanted to know if you guys have seen anything on this before I get into this because I just find this incredibly hilarious. How did he play? Exactly. This is is so funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's my biggest question. So how did he play? That's why I put him in here. He he got an assist today for Altawun on his debut. So you've got Red Bulls saying that he's still a Red Bull player, and they actually wanted the U.S. Soccer Federation to withhold his international transfer certificate to stop him from playing for Altawun. And I don't know if it was like a friendly or something today. But he definitely played. I saw the clip, and he definitely got that assist. So I don't really know what's going on with that. I was uh, ESPN did a story on the, this whole nonsense, and I went in and, and read that article. And apparently, Red Bulls notified someone close to Kaku and told them, "Hey, you need to tell Kaku that we've picked up his option." But it wasn't his manager. So now Kaku and his manager are arguing that because they weren't properly notified that it doesn't matter and that the op- the option just doesn't exist. So it's like this like really stupid like oh yeah, we told you. No, you didn't tell us. And that's like the basis of this argument. So I just this is just hilarious to me. Like this is just some some straight up MLS nonsense about contract options and this or that. Is it written down? I don't know. I don't even think I if it's written down on paper and it's being communicated, it's legally binding. So I expect this to get much messier. One side's very right and one side's very wrong. And they will settle it via an arbitrator who they have, I believe, are going to go to. Uh, I think that's come out that they will go to arbitration. But yes, this joys of dealing with saudi arabia and saudi arabian soccer um kaku as well he's been a he's been a little diva under uh red bulls like for a while now for being honest in fairness they didn't play him so you know play the guy and maybe he'll like you but 
hopefully they will get a transfer fee for him or they will figure this entire situation out and potentially it could add to MLS their total transfer fees generated this year or this transfer window where they're currently in seventh although realistically they're actually in sixth because of most of Austria's transfer fee is based off of Zabalaya's uh, transfer from RB Salzburg to RB Leipzig and that entire fee. I'm glad you pronounced that because I've I've seen that name tons of times, especially since he got his move. And so I'm finally hearing how it's pronounced. So thank you, Connor. Thank you. Who would have thought I'd actually get a pronunciation right for once and be the only one who knows how to do it? Unless, Drew, you do. Uh, in which case, yeah, no, you just get a nice head shake for an audio <laughs> podcast. That's really helpful. Um, but, yeah, it's been a good offseason for MLS, if we're being completely honest. And uh, I think the sale of Brian Rodriguez probably helped that quite a bit. Brian Reynolds, yes. Reynolds. Who is Brian Rodriguez? Brian he, Rodriguez. he did also move. He's technically, that could help. Uh, I don't know if it rec- if it goes back to that transfer window, uh, but it could help, uh, even though I s- completely got the wrong person. <laughs> the thing about the Brian's Reynolds thing, I'm looking at the tweet that Josh threw in the doc, and Tom Bogert, oh, right, 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 right. a.k.a. Tommy Scoops, that Brian Reynolds doesn't count, right? Not yet. So we're still, the MLS is still seventh. That is with Brian Reynolds' move not counting yet. So it sounds like that eventually will count, which would push the United States past Austria, it looks like, if I can do math right. Um, and plus that one Austria move to the player that I'm not going to try to pronounce. So while it is seventh right now, it's looking like it'll change. So that's really exciting. Yeah, we, we talked about it a lot last week with, with MLS, like having the power to spend money. So it's it's cool to see them also make money and sell players even in a market like this where you know there there weren't even that many transfers compared to normal so good good on MLS for getting some money out of the situation speaking of MLS obviously some more transfer news the the biggest transfer related news probably that came out of MLS this week is the window was pushed back um it was supposed to be open this week, I believe, originally. Yeah. And it is now not going to be opened until March 10th. So we're still about a month away from that. It'll still end on June 1st. I want to say that was pushed back a month. It was originally May. So it was. One, one interesting aspect of this, uh, I think Sam Stage School mentioned it, or maybe Paul Tenorio, but now this means that all those players that went on loan for until the end of the season in whichever country they went to, like they can come back and be registered in time to play whenever they come back. So that's interesting. They would have had to wait before until like July or August based on when the secondary window opens. So that, that is going to help players like that a lot. If you think about it, those are some important teams that are going to need it. Orlando city with Daryl DK, um, LAFC with Brian Rodriguez, FC Dallas with Brandon Cervania and, and among other teams as well. So definitely some big news, other big news, especially here in Atlanta, Drew, lots of moves for Atlanta United this week. I want to get your thoughts on them, and then, of course, Connor's thoughts as well. First move, Eric Rometty traded to San Jose. Talked about him briefly last week, rejoining Matias Almeida. Atlanta is getting 200 k and GAM could rise to 500 k with incentives, although I'm doubtful about how much more money Atlanta will get out of that. Um, Lanza also announced the signing of midfielder Santiago Sosa from River Plate's. 
and right back Ronald Hernandez from Aberdeen. They also announced in like the last two hours the loaning of Fernando Meza to, I believe it was Defensa in Justicia. And it looks like they're going to sign another center back in place of him, Lautaro Giannetti. I'm going to have so much fun saying that name all season. What are your thoughts on this flurry of moves? It's as if we're getting a brand new team overnight. Yeah, I. So as I'll, I'll try and knock this out one by one move. Um, so I'll start with Remedi. I'm not disappointed with losing Remedi. I think we talked about him last pod a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm not too disappointed by that, especially because Santiago Sosa is coming in, kind of filling that role. So I'm excited about that. Continuing this. South American channel that Atlanta built uh, for two seasons, won a championship with it, went away from it with Frank DeBoer and didn't work out, although they still won U.S. Open Cup with it, um, didn't work out, let Frank DeBoer go, and now they're trying to build it back. Um, so excited to see that, like, pipeline didn't burst, I guess, so to speak. Um, so I'm excited about Santiago Sosa. Atlanta United put out a highlight clip of him, and I became obsessed with him. He was winning the ball back, he was sliding, his passing was probably the biggest thing that stuck out to me. He was making some really good long passes, which from hearing people who know a lot more about soccer than I do, with Heinze's system, those long balls are going to be really important. Um, so having a defensive midfielder that can get the ball and get out of there with a nice long ball to whether it's Marcelino Moreno, Joseph Martinez, Jurgen Dam, Ezekiel Barco or someone like that, I think will be super important. So I'm excited to see Santiago Sosa in Atlanta, um, his passing was outstanding in the highlight video. Again, it was just a highlight video, so not a whole lot you can take from that. Uh, Ronald Hernandez, I don't know really anything about. I haven't watched because I think that might have been a little more. That was for sure more recent than Santiago Sosa. So I guess my only takeaway from that is, and I, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know the Aberdeen-Atlanta relationship has been there before, but this seems to me like the biggest fruition of that relationship to date getting having Ronald Hernandez come in from Aberdeen to Atlanta to I assume take that Franco Escobar spot because he uh, left for new old boys and he just got hurt I think he hurt his foot so that's unfortunate I'm pulling for him as he goes back to Argentina so I don't have a whole lot on the Ronald Hernandez thoughts except this is just an example of that relationship going on for Atlanta so two things I want to add about Ronald Hernandez first He is a Venezuelan international player. He's got, I think, 17 senior caps. So I feel like that's a significant part of of who he is as a player. It's it's good that he's been in in that international setting. So I I think that says a lot about him. He struggled with Aberdeen over this past year, like many players. It was a a move to a new country and a new team, and right as the pandemic hit. So he didn't get a lot of playing time, didn't really get settled. So I imagine that he'll, he'll, hopefully he'll do better with Atlanta. Also, I don't know the validity to this statement or to these reports, but I saw in some places that Ronald Hernandez made the move to Aberdeen to make the move to Atlanta, which I think is very interesting. So it is cool to be getting a player from Aberdeen, especially after having sent John Gallagher on loan. And the second thing I want to add about Ronald Hernandez, small little side thing, uh, Atlanta's president is Darren Eels. And Mr. Darren Eels loves to put out these little riddles and cryptic tweets whenever Atlanta United has a new signing. In fact, if you go to his Twitter and you look at his tweets, like half of them are these cryptic joke tweets about signings. And then the other half is like normal, you know, community stuff or pictures with trophies or, you know, you know, normal stuff. Pictures of him sleeping with trophies in a hotel room. (laughs) Exactly. So 
he he loves to do the the tweets. Atlanta fans get super riled up about it because you see a Darren Eels tweet and then bam, you start trying to decipher what he means based on the rumors you've heard. And it's a lot of fun. Well, earlier this week, uh, some of the guys over at Dirty South Soccer they discovered a different Darren Eels on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Darren Eels. The Eels at Atlanta United. His is D Eels A T L U T D or whatever. So this other Darren Eels, he's a elementary school teacher in England, and they found his account, and so they asked him, do you ever get like tons of messages and you get all these notifications about Atlanta United? And he said, only when the team is about to announce a new signing or when things are going really bad. And there are actually some older tweets that you can go back and find. There's one from over the summer, like dead of the summer, when Atlanta was absolutely terrible, everything was going wrong. And there are these fans just tagging him saying, like, fix the team, this and this and that. And he's like, I'm sorry, I tried to sign Ronaldo. I tried to sign Messi, but I just couldn't get him to go. I'm, I'm so sorry, lads. Like, this is the funniest thing. Like, you can tell he's he's having fun with it. So as part of today's Twitter announcement, he got to tweet out the picture in the cryptic tweet. And then Atlanta's Darren Eels retweeted him. And said something like, right back at you. And that ended up being Ronald Hernandez. So that was like really funny. If you can, like, go look at Daniel's Twitter, you'll see it. It's just, it was a really nice, positive, hilarious moment having some fun with this guy on the other side of the world. So very, very good stuff. Connor, you might not have a lot to add since it's not a team that you know as well as Drew and I, but from an outside perspective, what, what do you sort of, what's like, your opinion on all these moves from Atlanta and especially with so many of them happening in, in seemingly the last couple of days. Rometty, interesting. Um, I saw, well, let's be honest, only account I follow that's actually related to the San Jose Earthquakes is Tectonic Takes and Ivan Ornelas. Um, and they were very happy about the signing. So I guess it's one of those signings where the team that owns him is happy to get rid of him and the team that's bringing him in is happy to be bringing him in uh and we'll see whether or not it works out 200k in gam that's not a ton i don't i don't know i think it's it's a shuffling of the deck chairs uh at atlanta and it doesn't really solve things but bringing in santiago sosa is going to do a lot more i don't know much about him but i do know he has a pretty good fifa card i think for the Argentinian league, uh, which is how I'm going to base all of my opinion on Santiago Sosa, uh, because <laughs> I don't know anything about him. So young kid, uh, I say kid, he's older than me, young player who will hopefully have a big impact on Atlanta, but we've seen what those players have done in the past and how they haven't exactly lived up to expectations. Cough, cough, pity Martinez. Um, and then Finishing off with Ronald Hernandez, who I've never heard of. I didn't even that, know that move happened. Uh, but the fact that he's coming from Scotland, as a Scot myself, sort of, part Scot, uh, happy with that, I guess. I doubt that report of him strictly going to Aberdeen to join Atlanta is true, because why would you want to do that? And why wouldn't you just go straight to Atlanta? Uh, but what do I know? Maybe he's privy to some unknown information. Uh, but finally... I want Ali Curtis to do what Darren Eels does because all we get is Chris Armas doing a press conference this past week saying, I'm not talking about transfers at all, and we Ooh. hear nothing. Uh, so, yeah. the 
I just want some news, TFC, please. Just some news. So, and preferably not news that the members' information has been leaked because that isn't exactly ideal. Uh, backstory for this, because both of you probably didn't see it. TFC sent out a mass email to all of its members, but accidentally when they sent the email, they didn't use the person who it was being sent to their information. So every other member got some other member's information, including the account number, their name, and I think their address. Uh, so that was the big issue, I guess, news in Toronto FC land earlier today. Uh, but yeah, it helped cover up something that we will talk about later, hopefully, uh, because I need to make fun of them for it. But let's talk about some other transfers. Uh, and, you know, we were speaking of, oh, sorry, what do you want to say, Josh? Just wanted to add a, a couple of things. Uh, we talked last week about Rometty. It, we, we didn't, none of us made this connection, but he actually played for Almeida at, at Bonfield, so in Argentina. So that could have some real value to it. I assume Rometty will, you know, enjoy playing under Almeida again. So this that actually does seem like a win-win situation. So very excited about that. And then I just wanted to add that I am super excited about Santiago Sosa. He. Like all I've read about with Gabriel Heinze and his the tactics and the formation he wants to use is it's really important to have a number six as the focal point for building up in possession, and it seems like Sosa is going to fill that bill. So I am just I'm just super excited about that. Just had to throw that out there. All right, let's continue talking about San Jose uh, because they also made another signing in right back Luciano Abacasis. Uh, because I think you put the wrong pronunciation in there, Josh. Um, Wait, say that again? Abacasis? I feel uh, like that would make more sense than abacasis. I feel like that's the American way of saying it, and abacasis is the proper way of saying it. I'll be honest, as someone who's been learning Spanish like routinely for about a year from now, this name confuses me, because they're... Maybe it's abacasis? The C, I feel like, is supposed to be with an S sound. Whatever. The, you, you're, I think you're more right than me, Connor. You got it right. Who knows? Who cares? Because it's San Jose. Uh, played under Almeida at River Plate. That's all the information I got on him personally. Uh, either of you have anything on this guy? Could he be a Nick Lima replacement potentially? I I, I would assume so. You know, this is another fullback uh, helping with that depth. I don't know if he'll necessarily you know perfectly replace. Uh, uh, Lima Lima wasn't even really playing that much anyway. So maybe this is just a depth signing. It uh, should be noted he got his first River Plate appearance underneath Almeida back in the day. So I I think it's smart for guys like Almeida and Heinze to be bringing in these players that have played for them before because they understand the system well, they understand the coach well. So I, I just think between getting Rometty and now um, Abacasis, like this is a great move for San Jose to build up a squad that has needed players for years now. Yeah, my only take on this was I was looking at the MLS soccer story about the signing, and it said that he is the seventh player on the current roster who has played under Almeida at some point. Um, so that's really exciting. And he is only contract until 2021 with a club option for 2022. So short deal uh possibly only for one year we will see what happens um yeah i it's yeah just interesting that almeida because we talked about san jose 
a long time ago. And I think we had the discussion of whether or not to fix San Jose, if it was a managerial issue or a player issue. And I think we came to the conclusion that it was kind of both because this main marking scheme kind of torture, it feels like. But these players really that San Jose is getting don't feel like high enough caliber to be doing that system at a high level at MLS. But this offseason and getting these players kind of feels like maybe the player excuse uh, might not be as there as much anymore because he has players that have played under him uh, with Eric Rometty playing under him. And now this guy all spending time under Almeida. So excited to see if this improves San Jose at all. They were really fun to watch last year. I hope they're really fun to watch this year. And for the sake of our friend Ivan and just all San Jose Earthquake fans, maybe them being fun means not losing six to nothing every two weeks or something like that. So I'm excited about it. Um, but yeah, it's fun that San Jose is finally getting some players that have played under Almeida. And we will see if that makes a big difference this upcoming season as they had a decent run last year, um, but definitely not what I think some fans wanted them to have. Um, but a team that had a really good run in MLS's back, leading them all the way to their first ever appearance in MLS Cup playoffs and won the craziest knockout round game ever against NYCFC Orlando City signed Brazilian forward Alexandre Pato. Hopefully I pronounced that right. As a free agent, mid to low TAM deal. He spent eight years with Milan. Um, not a lot. I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about this except just from checking out some people's takes on it is that this guy could either be... The good thing is that he's not a DP, so he's not taking up a roster spot um, from an Orlando City perspective. He's just on a TAM deal. So if this guy pays off, then that's a snack because I think he's only 31. I don't know the exact age. But if this guy pays off, then that's going to be really good because to me, I view Orlando City... It's weird saying this about Orlando City because a couple of years ago they were just irrelevant and not worth talking about, I feel like. But now they're a definite MLS Cup contender, I think. But if this guy, he seems like the type of player that can push Orlando City just an, over another edge, right? They made the run to MLS's back final loss to Portland. He seems like the kind of guy, if he pays off, that will take them from a losing in the final type team or losing in a semifinal type team to winning those semifinals or winning those finals if he pays off. Again, big if. Um, but I'm excited to see Orlando City still making moves. Shows that they're not just content with making finals and losing them. Um, hopefully, as an Atlanta United fan, between Atlanta's busy offseason, Orlando City staying busy, maybe this will actually be a rivalry and games might actually be fun. Um, but we'll see where that goes. But... Josh, do you have any thoughts about Orlando City? Connor, do you have any thoughts about Orlando City making a move, um, their new forward? This screams short-term Daryl DK replacement, and then once Daryl DK comes back, good depth. To me. I think it just makes sense. Uh, another veteran leadership who... Veteran leadership. Another veteran leader who has experience in Europe could potentially... Uh, help mold Chris Mueller and DK when he gets back uh, to prepare themselves for Europe if they end up going to Europe because they're both incredibly talented. Uh, and I could see it happening for both of them. But yeah, I think Pato, short-term DK replacement, long-term leader in the dressing room and just good depth option Uh because I think he's a good player. He had to have been a good player if he was able to play in Europe. So I, I like the signing for 
Orlando City, and I think it's very low risk. Josh, do you have any sort of thoughts on Alexander Pato? Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, just it seems like a good signing, especially in terms of that risk aspect. And he's still only, I think I saw he was only 31. So he's not really like over the hill or anything either. Like we've seen 30-year-olds, especially attackers, thrive in MLS. Whereas, you know, maybe they might not thrive in other places. Or if you're an absolute freak like Zlatan, you can do it anywhere, even when you're pushing 40. But good signing for Orlando City. Drew, I really like what you said about Orlando City and Atlanta because... You know, now that you mention it, I don't really think there's ever been a time where both teams were actually on the same level as each other. And they've already provided some entertaining matches in the past. So you're, you're giving me some hope, man. You're, you're, you're like letting me feel excited about Orlando and Atlanta. I gave up on this being a rivalry, throwing up air quotes there, years ago. So if we get both teams really good, that could be really, really exciting. I love how you guys just assume that Atlanta's going to be good. You know what? It's I, looking promising. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to assume. I'm going to tell you right now. Atlanta's going to be good this year. All right. You're one uh, Joseph Martinez ACL tear away from having another tear. No, 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 no. Gabriel Heinze could take teenagers. Like, he could take the U19 Atlanta team, and he could probably make the playoffs in MLS. I really believe that. All right, uh, Mr. Maurizio Pochettino. We will see whether or not that One comes day. true. One, One day. day. <laughs> because he'll take, he's got to take a step up in order to be able to manage Atlanta United, right? There you go. Now we're talking. He managed a small club like Tottenham. He can do MLS. Exactly. <laughs> and then an even smaller club like, uh, what is it? Um, Pete, is it start with a P? Oh, yeah. PSG. Is that it? There I don't even go. know what that stands for. That Mbappa guy we were just talking about a couple minutes ago. Mbubba. <laughs> Mbubu? Uh, isn't that a guy in the Bundesliga? Mbabu? No, Mbabu. Mbabu, that yeah. is. Years back when the World Cup was happening, the Fox announcer, is that the is that what you're referencing, Drew? Yes, he referred, he was like, I think it was like a Saturday. No, it wasn't college football, but it was like some American event. And he was having to do a World Cup read. And I don't know if it was the final, semifinal, or what, but he was like, and this weekend, watch <laughs> young French star Mbappa. <laughs> and soccer Twitter exploded. It was great. So, yeah, so that is what I'm referencing. That was a funny moment. It's just... I just have to shake my head at that. <laughs> like, there's no response that lives up to that unbelievably terrible pronunciation. Uh, although, in fairness, back then, not everyone knew who Mbappe was, so I will, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He had no idea anything about soccer and was forced to do that read on live TV and was not told in advance. Uh, let's finish off our tr- signings and transfers in this complete mess of a show uh, <laughs> with Eric Hurtado signing That's with... <laughs> yep. Eric Hurtado signing with Club de Foot Montreal, even though it's actually Montreal. Uh, as I was corrected on <laughs> my no other tea? podcast. There's, if you are from Montreal, there is no T. All right, it's the same thing in Atlanta. That's the way that you can tell most places. Atlanta, Atlanta. Toronto, <laughs> Toronto. Mont- Montreal, Montreal. Uh, as I insult the French even more. Uh, but Eric Tato signed with Mon- uh, Montreal Club de Foot. Uh, which, again, stupid name. We'll talk a bit more about them in a second, though, because 
Oh boy, if they had a week. Um, what do you guys think about the Hurtado signing? Do you think he's a good fit in Montreal? Or is this uh, something that you don't really think much about? Yeah, I'm not thinking too much about this. The last time I really paid attention to Eric Hurtado was when he was with the Whitecaps on those pretty good Vancouver teams. Um, so I don't have a whole lot to say about Hurtado going to Montreal. It might be exciting to see him back in Canada. I'm trying to pull up the stats right now, but I accidentally hit the back button, man. That always gets me. Yeah, last season, uh, five goals and three games started. 15 games played, started three games, five goals and no assists. So, yeah, his best season was 2014. He scored 19 goals and three assists. So if he produces like that, then this is a steal, under-the-radar steal, but there's nothing that he's done recently to convince me that he's going to go back to that form. Um, maybe if he gets, gets to play under Thierry Henry, maybe that happens because he can do whatever he wants. He's one of the best. So, But not a whole lot to take away from this transfer on my end. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not a huge thing for me. I, I think it's important depth for Montreal. And, you know, this is a veteran MLS player who wasn't like a, a consistent starter in Kansas City or anything, his last team. But when he got on the field, he usually found a way to score. So I feel like he could bring some value to, to Montreal. You know, whether or not he knows who he's playing for, that's something we'll touch on in a second. But before we get there, I put this in the dock because it's something that has sort of intrigued me these last couple of weeks. And I was listening back to last week's podcast, and Connor, you mentioned it pretty briefly, but even then we didn't discuss it a lot. Part of the new MLS CBA is this U22 initiative. I feel like people aren't talking about this enough, and maybe part of it is because I don't think teams have really jumped on this. You don't see like a flurry of young kid signings all of a sudden in the league like you might expect. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys might know this better than me. But my understanding of this rule is that now you can essentially have six DPs on your team. Kind of. It's just, it's just a salary threshold, right, for mm-hmm. these three young, which makes sense because you're not going to pay, most likely, you're not going to pay these teenagers and you know young 20-year-old kids tons and tons of money like you might pay a Carlos Velo or a Joseph Martinez. So, But in terms of transfer fees, yes, these are DPs. So why, why I feel like, People should be talking about this more. What do you what do you guys see in terms of a short-term impact? Like we're talking this season in a pandemic world. And what's the long-term impact of essentially increasing the amount of DPs per team to six? Drew, I want to start with you first. What do you think short-term for this? And then what do you think long-term the effect is going to be from this new rule? Yeah, I think like you talked about how you don't feel like a lot of people are talking about this enough. So when I mention impacts, it hinges on the big if, if teams take advantage of this. But, I mean, I guess from a short-term perspective, we talked a lot last week about MLS teams not being as impacted by the pandemic as other leagues, specifically South American leagues like Brazil and Argentina, because MLS owners have NFL teams. They have $3.5 billion companies that they're selling, so MLS owners are not hurting as bad as South American owners are. So this could just provide more incentive to go to South America by younger players under 22 um, to just improve their team. Yeah, like you said, kind of in a weird way, giving them six DPs instead of three. So from a short-term perspective, I think this opens the door even more for MLS owners to have 
virtually no excuse to not spend money on young South American talent because if they look at Miguel Amaron type situations where Atlanta spent what I think was eight million on transfer fees for a youngish player. I don't know if he was under twenty two when Atlanta bought him from Lanus, but bought him for eight million, sold him for twenty four million, made a profit repeat process. So it's just it's legitimately just a good invest. It's just good quality business that your team is getting better. So when fans get to come in the stadiums, whenever that may be, um, they're gonna fill up the stands. They're gonna have more ticket sales. And a couple of years later down the road, those players that you bought for a cheaper price because pandemic, you're now selling to Europe, selling back to South America or wherever for more than you bought them for. So you're going to make a profit from it. So big fan of it. I agree. I don't because I haven't, haven't seen a whole lot about it. So I don't know a whole lot about it, except that it's pushing younger signings. Um, and this isn't just from South America. This is from all over the place. It's just that South America kind of feels like the goat go-to place for MLS teams as of late. So I think it's a really awesome opportunity short-term for MLS owners to really take advantage of not being hit as hard by the pandemic. And that's going to reap long-term effects because they will be able to then, if they perform at the level, these young players perform at the level they expect them to or want them to, then the possibility of selling them to Europe is more than possible and they don't have to look very far to see that happening in the league and working well. So I think it's a great thing, but it hinges on the big if with MLS owners. And if MLS owners have taught us anything as of late, it's to not put a whole lot of faith in them. So big if it can be great if MLS owners use it to their advantage. Josh, what have you thought about the lack of coverage of this issue? And what do you think it's going to do for MLS teams recent and for long term? This again, this is a super intriguing, super interesting to me. I I think in terms of short term, like this year, we're gonna see some teams jump on it. For example, Atlanta. Santiago Sosa was one of these U twenty two initiative signings. There are strong rumors that Eric Lopez's signing last year will fit under this category as one of those U twenty two players. And I believe Franco Ibarra, another midfielder that Atlanta has been heavily linked to, and according to Felipe Cardenas, he's just waiting on a visa, and then he's done. I think that's going to be another U22 player. So a team like Atlanta, they're taking advantage of this new initiative, and they're jumping all over it, and bam, they've already signed three of these players, which is the max you can sign. So in terms of a short term, I, I am very curious to see which teams are going to jump all over this this year. I imagine it will be teams like Seattle and LAFC, maybe Toronto, although I, I have a feeling Ali Curtis is going to be taking them under a completely new direction. But some of those bigger teams, you know, we like to associate with MLS being top dogs. I think they're going to take advantage of this. And then there are going to be some teams that don't. And in terms of a long-term effect, I think this is going to create some disparity in MLS. It's not going to be huge, but we've already seen over the last couple of years what happens when you build your team the right way and how that can set you up for long-term success, a la Seattle and Toronto, right? They've proven that you can be one of the top teams in MLS years in a row on a consistent basis. And in MLS, that's a hard thing to do because the league is just not set up that way. I think this U22 initiative is going to sort of spread some of these teams out. Now, the opposite side of that is if your club sucks at scouting 
then you're not going to take advantage of the situation. A team like LA Galaxy, who signs tons of players from overseas, makes a lot of big signings. Their recent track record of player signings is not great. Neither really is their coaching situation, so I'm sure that's a factor. But that's just one example that pops into mind. So I I think that's something else that we sort of have to keep an eye out on. But I just, I hope teams take advantage of it. I can definitely see some MLS clubs not. But who knows? Maybe they'll get left behind. Connor, what do you think about the U22 initiative short-term, thinking this year in a pandemic, and then long-term years to come? Short-term, I don't think this is going to be a huge impact. Uh, I don't think many teams are going to use it because I don't think many teams are going to be prepared to use it. Um, I don't think they'll have done the scouting. I don't think they'll have prepared uh, for this rule to come into place. I don't think that all of the information is fully out there. Uh, we're still waiting as of us recording on information surrounding who's eligible, how many you're allowed to bring in and all stuff like that. Um, and I also, I don't think it'll just be used on these young South American players. I think it'll be used on a lot of homegrowns as well. I think on Toronto FC, because you know, Toronto FC central view in my books, uh, I think Jaden Nelson and Isla Canola uh, and even Jaquiel Marshall-Rudy could potentially be Toronto's new U22 initiative players. I think they really fit the book, especially Isla Canola, who has been linked to other clubs. I think being able to pay him this salary is going to be huge. Um, It's going to be 100% beneficial for MLS. Like, I don't think that's even a question, too. Like, you look at how it's going to allow the clubs to bring in even more talent and improve what they've been building over the last few years and the increased push for youth. I think it's going to be unbelievably impactful. And I don't think we can really take that for granted. Like this is going to be potentially a really, really big change in the way this league works and the way the league functions. Um, But again, we have to, wait and see like whether or not every team uses these slots they may not they may not even be able to afford it and for all we know this could create a massive disparity between the talent levels of some of mls's top teams and some of mls's poorer teams but we'll just have to sort of wait and see i guess drew do you have anything else you want to add yeah first thing when josh you mentioned if teams have good scouting, good scouting, I immediately thought of NYCFC. So if they use that global network to their advantage, that might be exciting. Also, does Brenner's FC Cincinnati signing fit under this initiative? It is not. Why? Because he's 21. So why does it not fit under I that? believe his salary kicks him up to a, an actual DP level and not a young DP level. So you have to fit under a certain salary and be under 22 to fit under this. Correct. I want to say it's something like awesome. the full salary budget. I don't remember the specifics. I just know there's like some sort of money threshold, some sort of budget charge that, you know, some MLS mumbo jumbo to to factor in whether or not you're a young DB. What a shocker. <laughs> what, what a shocker. MLS makes it more complicated than it needs to be. So one other thing I want to add before we move on from this. 
uh, speaking of the the scouting, you know, we already know that Red Bull and City Football Group they sort of have this global scouting network set up. I I do hope that a byproduct of this young player initiative is that teams expand their scouting. Not to say that they're doing too much of it in South America or anything. Obviously, it's a hot spot for MLS right now. But I remember when Vancouver brought in Mbom Huang a couple years ago, and that was like a big deal because there frankly aren't that many Asian players that come over into MLS. Same thing with um, Yayakubo with Cincinnati. So I, I would love to see more players from, you know, from, from Asia, from other parts of Europe that we're, you know, that we're not accustomed to, you know, Africa as well, uh, and not just South America. I think it'd be interesting if MLS starts to go in a more global direction. Obviously, we're probably talking a little ways off because that takes time and money, and we're still in a pandemic, although I'm not sure how much MLS teams actually care about that. But we're going to move on now into our last big topic of the night, Thierry Henry. There are lots of rumors. Don't know if they qualify as reports because of who's reporting on it, but heavy links between Thierry Henry and championship side AFC Bournemouth. This started popping up a couple days ago, and I threw it in the dock because this is frankly really interesting uh, to lots of people. Thierry Henry is a very uh, magnetic person, personality. Another thing that I think should be thrown in there, uh, Gabriel Batistuta, former Argentine national team player. Uh, just to give you an example of how big Batistuta is to Argentina, there is a statue of him, a statue of Diego Maradona, and a statue of Lionel Messi in Argentina together. So he's a big deal. He has no coaching experience. However, there were some random rumors coming out of South America that he was in negotiations to join an MLS team as a manager. Why is that important, you ask? Because there are no openings in MLS as of right now and as of last week when those rumors started to surface. Then all of a sudden come the Thierry Henry rumors, and it sounds like there are only final fine print details to be hammered out. Drew, what do you think of the possibility of Thierry Henry leaving for Bournemouth after barely a season in MLS with Montreal? Yeah, I, I think you tweeted about it, Josh, actually, that it's kind of a bummer because I want to see Thierry Henry have a legit swing at MLS. I want him to succeed because I think everyone wants him to succeed. So if he does leave, um, it would stink because, again, I want to see him have a legit shot in the league. Uh, Burnworth in the championship, don't have a whole lot of thoughts on that. Um, that'd be cool, I guess. It'd be a really big deal. For Bournemouth, getting a legend like Thierry Henry, but from an MLS perspective, I don't want to see him leave because I want to see him get a real crack at it. Um, as far as Gabriel, by, oh, Gabriel um, coming into the league, he is a uh, BLCista, I believe is how you say it. He is, and which is just like, at this point, I'm just assuming that these new managers played under BLC <laughs> at some point. So fair, that's fair cool. guess at this point, honestly. Yeah, and he is. Uh, he, you think he played under him? And new old boys, I think. Which, honestly, that's another one of those teams you can just guess. He played under Bielsa and new old boys, and you'll see what happens. Um, so that's exciting in that Montreal just getting in on it. Um, so I haven't seen a whole lot about this rumor, so I am not don't have a whole lot of takes on it. 
but it is interesting, the timeline of Tyrion leaving and Gabrielle coming in, possibly, so that's exciting. And maybe Montreal is just jumping on the wagon of hiring these type of managers. So I'm excited about it. Maybe Montreal won't be normal, horrendous Montreal, but I want to see Tyrion get a real crack in MLS and not that crazy nonsense we had last season. Um, so we'll see what happens. I want to see Tyrion stay a little bit longer and see what he can really do with this Montreal team. Connor, what do you think about your potential rival? The uh, oh man, what's the rivalry called? Oh shoot, four hundred one derby. Yep. I was gonna say the four hundred four, but I was like, there's no way it's called the four hundred four derby. <laughs> so, what do you think about a potential manager swap with your French-speaking friends in the derby world? This isn't happening. I just don't think it's gonna happen. You don't think Henri's going to Bournemouth? No. Okay. And there's a report coming out tonight that Bournemouth haven't even contacted Montreal yet. And do I need to remind everyone that Thierry Henry is currently under contract with Montreal. So Bournemouth have to contact them if they want to bring it in. So it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, they're going to get compensated in some way. But I still don't think it's going to happen. Like, it's just a lot of rumors, honestly. Um... I think it was Dwayne Rollins or Kevin Laramie said, this is probably just some British tabloid journalist trying to meet a deadline and he knows that Terry Henry will get a ton of clicks. So he throws his name out there uh, and it's good headline. Get a lot of clicks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think also like what has Thierry Henry done to deserve this kind of job? He wasn't very good at Montreal. And if he does leave, that is a tough look on Montreal because they're losing a manager very, very quickly. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't think they're going to hire him, period, honestly. Um, I don't think this Gabriel Batistuda is really going to happen, honestly. Um, like, why would they bring someone like that in? Okay, well, first of all, Montreal, I would say, doesn't have a good record with anything so far, to be fair. they have, Since I've been following MLS, they haven't done jack, and they've just been through a bunch of managers in that time and haven't really done anything. They've made the playoffs a couple times, I guess. So that move, that aspect of the move, wouldn't surprise me, although you're right. It doesn't make any sense on paper, but... Between Montreal and Vancouver, I'll, I'll lump them into that group as well. Those guys, they never really seem like they know what they're doing, I'm being completely honest. And I don't think that that's, the, that's that brutal of an assessment. I should also mention that it's possible that Batistuta is being linked to Charlotte or St. Louis because those are two teams that are, right, they're on the verge of starting to announce their coaches because they've already put in place front office staff at both of those clubs. So... Maybe Batasuda is rumored to go to one of those clubs. Maybe he's in talks with one of those one of those clubs. I hope Henri doesn't go to Bournemouth. I don't think it makes much sen- much sense. Hearing you, Connor, now say that this is pretty much just a British rider doing whatever. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think it would be weird for Montreal to lose Henri so fast. I think it would be weird for Henri to leave so fast. He's barely put his imprint on the club, and they've been making all these signings. They've made. Just as many signings as Atlanta in the last week, just not with many familiar players, I'll say. They're from all over the world, it seems like. So Montreal's in the news a lot. They're doing a lot. They also just 
release their home kit. I just want to throw that in there because it's terrible. <laughs> it's just so a black shirt. bad, man. It is I mean, so bad. I, like, come on. It's it's not the worst thing in the world. I like I like the BMO logo because it's not the normal BMO logo. It's just like the actual company logo and not the the words BMO. So like I do like that aspect of it and like I don't what what's up with Adidas and all these textured jerseys? Like they're they're doing palm trees on Miami's kit, which is also just a black shirt. They're doing this crap on Montreal's kit, which is a black shirt. Atlanta United is getting a black shirt. It's just Then they had like the marble on DC's kit. It wasn't a black shirt, but it was like this weird marble feel they had going on. I I that bothers me as well because that reminds me of the King Peach Atlanta kit which had that like angular shading on it, which was supposed to invoke the pedals from the top of Mercedes Benz stadium. Uh, BS other teams had already used that exact template and that exact color scheme. So whatever, whatever my favorite thing, by the way, from, from Montreal. And it was in that tweet you sent Connor, uh, Brian Strauss at uh, Sports Illustrated. He is the man when it comes to opinions on branding and crests and kits and MLS. And today he he managed to to look through the the press release and picked out a great quote from Montreal CEO Kevin Gilmore, who said, "Quote: This jersey is a celebration of the uniqueness of our city, our province, and our history." End quote. Strauss then. Uh, attached a picture to that tweet and it's a picture of all the black kits in MLS and you can hardly tell Montreal's apart from the rest of them. So truly disappointed. Speaking of black kits, uh, Land United looks like they're going to get a black kit. Just want to mention that they put out a little uh, Valentine thing like the social media did. And literally the first line of the Valentine is our kits are red. And I wanted to like retweet that and be like, no, that's, not even true anymore. They're just black, like so many other teams in the league. So if you want more of my ranting about kits and MLS, every year I grade the new MLS kits. So be on the lookout on MLS Multiplex in the coming weeks as teams finalize and announce their kits. I've got some grades for you. I'll just go ahead and say I've given someone an F already. I want to say it was Miami because it's just the same exact kit they had the year before. So it's cool. Go ahead. Check it out. MLS Multiplex. Do either of you have anything to add before we uh, head on out? Uh, All right. I do have one thing I want to say. Uh, Montreal, you're welcome from Toronto FC for covering up that uniform reveal with all of our fun stuff and with our mentorships because uh, we're always bailing you out uh, just so that you can bail us out in the playoffs. Uh, Drew, take us out. (laughs) Yeah, thank you guys so much again, as usual, for listening to the episode. We really appreciate our listeners. And as always, like Josh said, visit MLSMultiplex.com as our writers crank out really awesome content from grading kits to grading off-season moves and everything in between. So please visit MLSMultiplex.com to get all of our off-season content as our writers keep making really awesome stuff. Uh, Visit the website on social media on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. You can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. So give us a check on Twitter to hear Josh's rant on kits and our rants on everything in the sports world. So thank you guys again so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And please leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing from you guys. 
and how we can get better and ways we can improve. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.